Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Good morning again. <laughs> it's great to be with you this morning to come around God's Word. Um, does anyone know how many days till Christmas it is? I think I heard someone say 13 straight away, and I believe this morning the kids said 13 days till Christmas. Um, actually, I'm grateful that the kids tell me how many days till Christmas from about 40 days. So that prepares me mentally to like think, okay, yep, radio, the year is nearly over. Uh, here we go. Um, it's, it's almost here. Um, it's good. It's exciting. You know, as I always say, um, we celebrate Christmas every day. And uh, it's, it's kind of just exciting to me that Christmas time is a time when everyone acknowledges it's Christmas. We just have to remind them what that's really about and that to encourage them to come together and celebrate. Uh, I'm really excited about, actually, last night as I was going to bed, I, I couldn't stop thinking about Christmas Day and thinking, how can we get the word out? How can we help people know about what we're doing Christmas Day to join us at the lake and come along? Um, I'm, I'm really excited. that People maybe that have never been to church um, on Christmas Day, they might think, you know what? It's Christmas. Let's go down by the lake. Let's join together. Anyway, I'm not meant to say that right now. But I wonder how God has been working in your life this week. If you were here last week, maybe you remember what I was talking about. And I want to ask, how's God been working in your mess this week? Because God's not afraid of your mess. God's not afraid of the mess of this world. He's not afraid of the mess in our life. And he's at work in the mess, as we talked about last week. I just want to pray that we'd have an open heart this morning to hear what God wants to say to us right now in this moment. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. God, I just thank you for your presence with us, Lord, that you are here and that you love us. And Lord, as Mandy talked about, Lord, that before we even thought of you, Christ died for us. God, we thank you that before we were formed in our mother's wombs, Lord, you knew us. And God, I just thank you for those joining us online as well today. God, I thank you that you know them, you, you see them wherever they are. Wherever each one of us is, Lord, in our, in our minds, in our heart, whatever place we find ourselves in today, I thank you, God, that you see us. God, I just pray this morning that you would speak into our lives, that you would speak into the mess of our situations or the excitement or whatever situation it might be, Lord, in our own lives, that you would just speak by your word into our lives today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're continuing our series looking back to the future as we look back to the events of Christ's birth and think about how that affects our present, but also our future going forward. This morning, I want to do things a little bit different. I want to look back a little bit or a long bit. Is 500 years a long time? Yeah, I think 500 years is a long time. We're going to look a long way back before Christ's birth. And then also we're going to look forward after his birth, after his life, after his death, and see what happened in those moments too, that we would see the context of why Jesus came, and what he came to do. First of all, let's open up to the book of Isaiah, written about 500 years before Christ. Isaiah, if you open up and you're in Psalms, keep going to the right a bit further. 
Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, yeah, skip over Proverbs. Uh, no, read it, sorry, don't skip over it. But um, Isaiah chapter 7, encourage you to bring your Bible to church and be able to underline things that stand out to you that God speaks to you about. Um, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it says this. And this is God speaking to King Ahaz. And uh, here, let's read from verse 14. All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. What an awesome thing. I, 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 if we've stop and imagine you never heard this before for a moment. Christ came, born of the virgin. And yet 500 years before, God was declaring that that is how the Saviour would come. Let's just skip over to chapter 9, verse 2. Chapter 9, verse 2 says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. And like warriors dividing the plunder... For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. His, he, will, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of who? Us? No. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. You know, it's so important for us to see the context of Jesus coming. If we don't know the Old Testament, we won't understand why Jesus came. We, we, we can't understand the fullness. We, I mean, we'll never grasp in the complete picture of what Jesus has done. I think it's, it's beyond our comprehension how amazing, how wonderful what he's done is. But I want to encourage you to, to read through the Old Testament, to read through books like Isaiah and see the, the words speaking of the coming Messiah, the Saviour, what he's going to do. And as you read through the Old Testament and see these scriptures that the Jewish people believe and are still waiting for, pray that their eyes will be open to see what Jesus has done and that he is the fulfilment of it. But these scriptures show us who Jesus is. They help us understand in a greater dimension what Jesus has done. And if you've never read through the Old Testament, I want to encourage you to make it a goal for 2022, to read through the Old Testament. If you've never read through it, if we're followers of Christ, if we call ourselves Christians and we've never read his book, I mean, God help you if, if you aren't able to read, if you're really, you struggle to read, then God, just pray to God and ask him to help you, help you understand. Read one line at a time. Ask God to help you read his word and understand what his word says. And I believe it will transform your life. 
Maybe you've read it before, I'd encourage you again to, to make a commitment to read through the Word of God. I thank God that as a 16-year-old, I decided to start ticking the pages. I've said this before. Every page I read, I ticked it so I could see when I'd finally... Because, you know, some books like Leviticus, I got a bit stuck. But I got back to it, and I'd read a few more pages, and I'd tick those ones off, and I'd go back to John or somewhere else. And I want to challenge you to do that in 2022. Anyway, let's keep moving. In, in Isaiah, we see that God had promised that a light would come. And that's what we talked about week one of this series so that we wouldn't have to walk and live in darkness, stumbling and falling and, and hurting ourselves time and time again. He promises that he will break the yoke of slavery and break the rod of the oppressor. You know, we have a real enemy. He wants to beat us up with his rod. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus came to break the rod of the oppressor, to take away his power. And he says, a child will be born and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And he will rule for all eternity. As I was preparing this week, I just felt like those, those four phrases are, are something that we need to allow to impact our hearts. There's some people this morning that you need to hear that phrase. You need to hear it and understand what God is saying to you this morning. Here's the wonderful Counselor, he will give you wonderful counsel. He will not lead you astray. He will not lead you to destruction. He is the wonderful counselor. As we open his word, as we pray, God is going to lead us into truth. He's going to lead us into life. He's going to lead us into the things that are good and perfect for us. He's a wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. Maybe we feel like we, our mess is too crazy. God could never restore my life. But he is mighty God. He is almighty God. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth. He is all-powerful, always-present, mighty God. Your life, your situation is never too far gone for him to work. He's everlasting Father. And maybe you've done things in your life and your, your, your natural father, your relationship with him maybe, maybe it's suffered. Maybe you feel like you've been rejected, you've been cut off from your earthly father. Or maybe it's just a, a strained relationship and maybe you feel like, well, you've strained your relationship with God. But he is the everlasting father and he will not turn away anyone who comes to him. Anyone who comes and acknowledges their sin and says, God, I'm sorry, please help me. He will answer that prayer. He is our everlasting Father. And if you feel like you're just so distant from God today, I just encourage you to say, God, please help me. You're my everlasting Father. God will never turn you away. And then he says, Prince of Peace. And that's the phrase in particular that we're going to look at this morning. He is the Prince of Peace. And before we look over at the book of John and look at the events after his, Jesus' death, I want us to think about what does that phrase mean, Prince of Peace? So I think to understand it, we first need to think about the word peace. What does it mean, peace? If we look at the book of Isaiah, the word uh, in the Hebrew, the original word for peace is, is shalom. And we might hear people say shalom, like a greeting sometimes, or a blessing, like shalom, see you later, God bless. It's like a, a, a blessing, peace be with you, shalom. You might hear people say that sometimes. But the word shalom, or as we're about to read in John, the word for peace, irene, I hope I said that right, 
Um, it's really so much greater, it's so much deeper than just peace. It's about a, a total restoration, a complete spiritual harmony and unity with God. It's about entering into, entering into shalom, is about having peace, not just a, a calm meditative state of just like, you know, you're sitting by the beach and it's like, it's just calm. Like the kids are down playing on the beach, it's, it's just quiet, it's just the waves, it's calm. That's not the peace that Jesus is talking about. This peace, this shalom, this irene is complete unity with God and his people, his body, the church. God came to bring harmony, restoration, healing, wholeness, to bring complete peace between God and man, between you and God. Peace, restoration, harmony. And to be really honest, at times I, I talk to people or I hear of someone and, and I, I might ask them, how, how are you going with God? And I say, yeah, really good, going well. You know, I just I haven't been to church for the last six months because, you know, I'm going great with God, but I just don't want to ever talk to that person ever again. This thing happened, I, I just don't want to talk to that person. I don't want to see that person. Um, I'm going great with God, but, you know, I don't need to go to church anymore. I don't want to say that's a lie because we cannot have relationship with God and love God and hate his, his family. God's word tells us we cannot love God and hate our neighbor. We cannot love God and refuse to forgive our brother and sister in Christ who's hurt us. We can't do it. If we love God, we must love his body. We cannot have peace without peace with his body. If that's a challenge for you today, I just encourage you to, to, to reach out to God and say, God, help me to have restoration, to have real peace in this situation. Restoration, wholeness, unity. Again, God wants you to know his peace, his shalom, his irene, his wholeness, his healing, his joy that brings intimacy with him and intimacy with the people of God. That's God's desire for you. So with those things in mind, let's open up to the book of John in chapter 20. At this point in the book of John, the disciples have been following Jesus for about three years. Different ones, different times, but they've been following him and one of them has betrayed Jesus. Judas has come and, and handed over Jesus to the, the rulers but these disciples, after following Jesus for three years, they are totally convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. They're totally convinced that he is the promised Savior. They've given up their lives. They've walked away from businesses. They've walked away from their careers and they've left their family. They've, they've gone and they've followed Jesus. But now Jesus is dead. And in this moment, they are devastated, they're confused, they're probably angry, they're frustrated, they're, they're thinking, God, what am I supposed to do next? Like, is he, was he, what's going on? And I think some of them are thinking, will I go back fishing? Am I going to go back tax collecting? Am I even allowed to go back tax collecting once you've been a tax collector and leave tax collecting? I don't know if you can ever go back. Like, I think you've been given the boot. Like, Mary, what am I going to go back to? The other disciples, what are we going to do now? But then we come to chapter 20 and everything changes in chapter 20. 
I want to ask for a moment, have you ever lost your car? Like, you know, you've driven to work, you, you park the car, you go to work, you come out from work afterwards and the car is gone. Or maybe you've gone to Melbourne, you've gone, to, gone shopping, you've gone to MCG, you've gone to some big shopping complex, you've gone to Chadston and you park the car, you do your thing, you come back and you come out and you go, oh no, where's the car? You know, your hands go all sweaty in the back of your neck, the, like the hairs all start standing up on end and the heart starts beating a thousand miles an hour and you think you're going to vomit because you're just freaking out. Anyone have that moment? But then there's this moment, like in the, maybe in the middle of calling Triple O and you're saying, my car's been stolen, it's gone, it's not here. And, but then suddenly there's this moment, there's this click, there's this, ah! Oh! And suddenly, in this moment, everything changes and you realise, I didn't drive this morning. I walked <laughs> to work this morning. Has anyone done this before? I have. Actually, more often than not, I walk home and then realise, oh, I left the car at work. <laughs> Maybe you've, you've parked in the, in the MCG car park and you, you're freaking out. You're thinking, someone's stolen my car. It's gone. And then you realise, oh, we came out the wrong side of the ground. It's actually, it's over there. And, but there's this moment you're like, oh, everything's changed. It's okay. It's wonderful. You don't have to admit if you did that this week, but... I may have. Um, have a think about those disciples in this moment and times that feeling that you had with the car by a gazillion. Because in this moment, everything has changed. It's Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and Jesus is alive. He's risen and he's appeared to Mary. He's appeared to Peter and John. They've met with him. They've seen him. They've spoken with him. He's alive and their brains are kind of exploding. They're going, I don't understand how, God, why, what's this mean? They're still kind of flabbergasted. But we come finally to verse 19 of chapter 20. Let's read together. It says, That Sunday evening, when they woke up thinking Jesus is dead, it's all over, what do we do? But then they've discovered he's alive. That Sunday evening... The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace, peace, shalom, irene, harmony, complete restoration with God. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace, Shalom, Irene, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Let's just pause there. The disciples were terrified. They were freaking out. The, the, the Jewish leaders have killed their saviour. They, they've, they've killed their, their leader and they're thinking, what do we do? But then they've seen him alive and their, their brains have exploded. They're freaking out going, what does this mean now? And then Jesus has gone away for, I don't know, maybe he's gone to have a lunch meeting with someone else. They haven't seen him for a little while. And then they're in this locked room. They're hiding away because they're thinking, who's next? They could come for us next. And then to be honest, I don't know what this next moment looked like or how exactly this happened, but they're in this locked room. And suddenly, Jesus is standing there with them. And I don't know what this looked like. I don't believe Jesus, like a ghost, kind of floated through the walls or anything. I don't, I, I don't know 
what that looked like. God knows what it looks like. It doesn't expand, so I'm not going to try and presume. You know, maybe the disciples, well, I'm expanding now, but maybe the disciples in their confused, you know, crazy state, they've kind of left some windows open and Jesus is going, oh, the window's open. So he's like, lift the window, climb the through. He's like, hey, guys. And the disciples are like, whoa. I don't know. We don't know how he got there. But the disciples are hiding in this locked room and he's there among them. And Jesus says, peace be with you. And then he shows them his wounds and the scars. And I love that passage because, you know, guys, even Jesus showed off his scars. It's like it's a godly thing to do. Jesus did it. He showed off his wounds, his scars. Like, check it out. Maybe it wasn't quite like that. But Jesus is there among them and he says, peace be with you. Peace. Shalom. I reign a restoration with God and you. Peace be with you. And they're filled with joy. And he says it again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. There's two points I want to make this morning as we look at this passage and think about what Christ did and what he wants to do in our future and in our present. And the first point, I just want to acknowledge Nathan Betcher. Some of you heard him speak at the CRC National Conference. I, I heard him share this point uh, about this passage, and I, I want to share it with you this morning. Point number one, if our reflections on the past are controlled by fear, you're never going to step into the wonderful future God has for you. That's a, a long phrase. I want to read it again. I want you to think about what things are you reflecting on in fear? What things are you looking back on and allowing past events to bring fear into your future? If our reflections on the past are controlled by fear, you're never going to step into the wonderful future God has for you. You know, the disciples were terrified. They were freaking out that the leaders were going to come and arrest them too, that they too would be crucified. They'd believed Jesus. They believed who he was, but then they'd seen him die. But then they'd seen him alive again. But still they were terrified in that, moon, in that room on that day. And to be honest, I think we can know who Jesus is. We can know all about him. We can quote scripture to each other sometimes. We can come to church. But if fear is our motivating factor there's something we are missing. There's something we're forgetting. There's something we're not allowing to penetrate those fears. You know, we have a real enemy, the devil, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes with that rod, even though it's been broken, and he wants to still give us a poke. He wants to bring fear and condemnation into our life. But have a listen again to the words of the angels, to the shepherds, in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. I said to the shepherds, um, nation will go war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Um, so that's Luke 21. Sorry, I'm going to skip over to here. <laughs> Luke chapter 2. And I thought that was wrong. Um, verse 10. As the angel spoke to them and said, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. 
the city of David, and you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace. Shalom, Irene, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. What the shepherds say, don't be afraid. Peace on earth. God has come to bring restoration. God has come to bring restoration between God and man. Peace on earth. We did a whole series last year at the beginning of COVID called Not Afraid, talking about how we don't have anything in this world to be afraid of. Jesus is our saviour, he's our king, and no matter what happens in this life, we know we have the victory in him. We know fear can so easily creep back in. I want to ask, I wonder today, what fears are we allowing to have a place in our mind, to have a place in our heart? I wonder if you could name those fears that are in your life today even. Those things that hold you back from doing those things that you believe God is calling you to do. Those fears that are maybe making you feel incapable of of moving forward into those things that God has called you to. I wonder if you can name them. Maybe you need to spend some time with God and, and name them and just write them down and say, God, I'm giving this to you. Something I do is as I spend my time with God week by week, day by day, it's just to, to, to write my prayers to God and, and, and confess those fears that I've allowed to enter my life. You know, Jesus, the risen, victorious, resurrected Christ, came and stood among those disciples. They were locked up. They were terrified. They were in the very first lockdown of the New Testament. Did you realize that? Very first lockdown of the new covenant era. The disciples are locked up, and then Jesus comes and stands among them. Now, we've been through lockdowns, we've been in and out of physical lockdowns, but I think, to be honest, we've come out of physical lockdowns, but some of us are still in lockdown in our minds. We are locked down by fears, we're locked down by worries, we're locked down by thinking we can't do what God's called us to do. But God wants to come and stand with you today. He wants to come and stand with you and actually lift you up and say, look at my hands, look at my, look at my wounds, look at what I endured through the cross, that you could be restored to relationship with me. I have done this so that you could rise up and be who I created you to be. Have a listen to Philippians chapter 4. We come to a close. Philippians chapter 4, verse, verse 4. It says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's Peace, God's shalom, God's irene, God's restoration, God's complete unity with Christ and his body. Then you'll experience Christ's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace 
will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace, then the God of shalom, then the God of restoration, then the God of healing, then the God of irene, the God of peace will be with you. Point number two, Jesus came to dwell among us. He came and dwelt among us in his physical body, but then after his resurrection, he ascended to the Father and said, wait for the promised Holy Spirit. I'm sending the Spirit to fill you and to empower you, to lead you, to guide you, and not just to be with you, but to live within you. God sent his spirit to be with us, just like Jesus came to be in the room with those terrified disciples. God has sent his spirit to live within us, to stand with us, to lead us, to help us, to guide us, to lead us out of lockdown in a mental sense, in a spiritual sense, in every way that we would have peace. Jesus came that we would know his peace, his presence, He's leading his power in your life. I want to ask the band to come as we come to a close. Jesus said to his disciples, peace be with you. And my prayer for you this today, this Christmas, as we come to an end of 2021, my prayer is that you would know God's peace with you, not just a calmness, not, I'm not just praying that you'll have a wonderful holiday and be able to go to the beach and relax, like that'd be a great blessing, yeah? Hopefully, maybe some of us can do that. But my prayer is that we would have peace that passes understanding, that we would know the restoration of God, the, the relationship with Him that cannot be broken through Christ. And just as Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. God, help us to be peace bringers into the world around us. Peace bringers, hope spreaders, fear squashers, and faith bringers. That's my prayer for us this Christmas, this time. I just want to pray. Maybe we can stand together. Just as, actually, feel free to be seated if you want to. Just, to. just to rest in God's peace if you feel to this. When you stand, you can see it, whatever you want to do. Let's just pray right now. Thank you, God. Lord, we just thank you that you, don't do, you, don't, you do not give as the world gives. And Lord, what you have done cannot be broken. Thank you, God, that you are the everlasting Father. You are a mighty God. Got the other one for a moment. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You're wonderful, Counselor. And Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. God, I just pray today that you would help us to know that restoration with you. You came, you, you gave your life as a sacrifice for our sin that we can have restoration with you, that oh, we can have complete 
wholeness and healing and, and relationship with you and with your people. God, I just pray that you would lead us in power, God. You would lead us in peace to share this message with the world. We just thank you, Lord, for what you have done, that it is finished. We thank you, Lord, that peace is with us through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for that to be our reality for every single person here today. Thank you, Lord. We're going to finish with a song right now. I just want to encourage you to, whether you want to stand and worship or whether you just want to sit and be still before God and just let His peace just be refreshed this morning as we worship Him.